0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to Coffee Stains EDU podcast. This is your host, Geneva Rodriguez, and we are going into the last episode of season four, which was titled Teacher Tenure Portfolio. We're going go to go into episode three, which will wrap up this series, which will cover the professionalism components of the Teacher tenure decision making framework. Again, this is for New York City Department of Education. But I have um, noticed, after having conversations and doing my research with other um, schools and districts in different states, and even within New York City charters, private, yada yada yada, um, they use a similar, they use a similar framework so it focuses on uh, student learning instructional practice and professionalism it just might sound different there might be other components within those but i am focusing on new york city department of education a few years back um, when i was up for tenure i realized that there were no resources online amongst other issues when it comes to the New York City Department of Education and those issues that I'm, mean, I'm talking about is just um, a lack of clarity, um, a lot of gaps and uncertainties, which causes confusion and anxiety amongst all these other negative thoughts and feelings for uh, a new teacher, you know? And it takes someone to really be um, proactive and... Creative, I guess. I don't know, and really thinking outside the box to really be able to navigate this system and avoid any type of frustration, anxiety. Um, which is, is very, is very, it seems to be impossible. Um, I don't know. Um, the conversations I've had with other teachers, leaders, um, in the DOE, it's um similar experiences so when I was going to do my portfolio um, my binder my tenure portfolio yes um, I say binder because when I did it it actually was a binder I had loose sleeve not loose sleeve. I had to do the sleeves and I put in dividers and it literally was a physical binder, right? Now they have shifted to digital copies, which I think is pretty awesome. Um, But I I still love my old school paper copies. Um, Even when it comes to reading, I don't really like digital books. I like to read, um, you know, an actual book in my hands. But anyways, so when I put together my, when I was putting together my binder, i realized there were not a lot of resources they just give you this framework and this framework has not been updated since 2015 2016 so it's the same framework framework that they're using um, and there's three components it has learning student learning instructional practice and professionalism and i was going online and i was going crazy looking for resources and tools because you know i just need some type of guidance like this rubric is okay it's helpful but it's also very limited um and it doesn't really like give you examples or anything like that it's not really in deep in-depth and now i notice like when i went on just out of curiosity so many people have been uploading and sharing tools which is so great and so amazing because I guess they realized the same thing I realized there was not enough supports provided by the DOE or the UFT, and I think the UFT might have or probably did have during the time when I was putting it together some workshops. Um, but again, this information is not like so easily available to you. Like you you do you don't get a newsletter, you don't get an email, um, and maybe you do, but you don't look at it. I don't know. Like I don't I don't want to be sh- you know. Like, walking down on them but from my experience it was really um it was very frustrating and as a first you know as a new teacher not a first year teacher because when I did the tenure um I did it I was able to uh, earn it after three years I think they changed the requirements I think it's four years now five years I don't even know anymore but uh, when I did it I had just uh, missed that change well I avoided that change, I guess not missed that change because it was like it happened right the year right after I um earned my tenure. So I think now it's like four years, five years. But um even so, like you're still a new teaching, you know, no two years are the same and I'm sure as an educator you could agree with that no two years are the same it's so different um things constantly are changing they, you know i remember this one thing when i was in the teaching fellows program they say that you should be like gumby and um i know i'm probably dating myself right now but it is what it is <laughs> um gumby is like this green rubber i don't even know what he was but he was just very flexible right um i gotta look that up later he looked like he was an eraser i don't know um a cucumber who knows um <laughs> but someone told me that you have to be flexible like Gumby. okay so it's a clay animation so yeah i just looked it up because you know i I had to so this is from back in the day so obviously this is way before my time too this is from 1953 and then they had a television series but gumby adventures right and gumby is clay and it's an animation, animated cartoon, toy show, whatever. But um be flexible like Gumby. Somebody said be flexible like Gumby. Gumby's clay, he can mold into anything he needs to mold into. Um, he bends left, right, yada, yada, yada. You get the point, right? So that always stuck with me. And um, in the beginning I really was like, yeah, whatever, whatever that means, right? Um, but it made so much sense because literally No two years were the same in the DOE, and still to this day, as an administrator, no two days are the same. And I've learned that I just have to roll with the punches, right? I just do what I have to do to meet the needs of staff, um, and students, and the parents, etc. etc. So with that being said, there was a lot of stress and anxiety in the beginning, and then putting together a portfolio that is going to determine if I get tenure now, it's another like stressor, right? So, I created a, um, a YouTube video when I was creating my portfolio. And again, it was just as a tool for people to use or to find if they found it helpful to just give a breakdown of how I put mine together. Not saying that it was perfect, not saying that if it was, it was the right way to do it, or saying that that was ex- the ideal way, right? That that was not something that the UFT, UFT or, or the district said, okay, this this is perfect. This is exactly a model of what it should be. No, this was me just breaking down the rubric and creating, creating a binder for me, right? Creating, creating, putting together my documents, my artifacts to present to my administrator to see if she felt that I earned tenure or not. So that video was very helpful. Um, I received great feedback. It got over like 13 um thirteen thousand views, which is great. And I'm not on views and likes and stuff like that, but what I noticed was I used that information to reflect on the inf- what am I sharing out there that's actually being helpful, right? Like I don't just want to be throwing stuff out there and no one's really taking advantage of it or no one's benefiting from it, right? Because then that's pointless, that's useless. Um, so I use that information to realize like, oh snap, like this information is what the people need <laughs> is what educators need and you know I had a lot of comments on there where people were asking for like clarification a little bit more support or just letting me know like it was a very helpful tool and it actually was a video uh, and I just showed each part of my tenure binder I tried my best to like not show any names of the students the name of my school whatever whatever for privacy reasons but you get the gist of what um, is required so what I chose to do now with this podcast was break it down a little bit more right because teachers are con- are constantly up for tenure every year there's gonna be teachers up for tenure right and the the framework hasn't changed so you can still use my video which is on youtube which you can find on our website www.coffetain.org it's under the resource page you can scroll all the way down also I think on the first page i have on my i have all my social media links and I have a, the, the link for my youtube i've been trying to shift the podcast to use a lot more of videos I know people are visual um, visual learners, as well. So, I just don't want to provide audio. Um, and that is why I provide my website with the resources and the tools there. If I talk about any resources or any, um, if I reference anything in my podcast, I post it on the resource page as well. So, I decided this morning to post the, under the resource page, I posted a copy of my tenure table of content, which I feel would be very helpful because I have been referencing it during the podcast. So, I felt like, why not you have a visual of it so that you can use it Possibly as a guide again I am not. Um, I don't work for the district. I don't work for UFT. I don't determine if you get tenure or not. This is how, what I use for my own personal tenure binder. So don't come. Don't come for me if you don't get your tenure. <laughs> you talk to your. You talk to your principal. You talk to your administrators and find out why you didn't earn tenure and what you need to do to improve and um, earn it the following year. Okay. So let's jump right into it. I'm going to be referencing the framework as well as my table of contents and share. A little bit of what I put into my binder for professionalism so for professionalism looking at the decision tenure um, the teacher tenure decision framework it says you if you exceed standards of expectation right of effective teaching there should be multiple sources of evidence of professionalism at the highest level so for example professionalism growth professional growth and reflection there should be some evidence of that. Collaboration and engagement with the school community, there should be some evidence of that. Communication with families, there should be evidence of that. We'll go into each each area in a few minutes. Management of non-instructional responsibilities, right? So your job is more than just in the classroom. And then your professional conduct. So right there, that's one, two, three, four, five. What I would say is have at least two pieces of evidence for each. Um, if you want to be safe, put three pieces, whatever you feel comfortable with, but I would not do one avoid doing one you want to at least put two to three pieces that's always what i recommend because one might not be enough they might see a little bit of that professional growth and reflection like you know so if you give them two you have you have they have more to rate you on so the more the better but also you don't want to overwhelm them because they might be looking at tons of binders or portfolios um, they might not have time to sit there and really go through everything so you want it quick also so like i say two or three pieces is perfect so i'm going to go into my table of contents so i can share with you what i used so i broke down in the table of contents i content i put professionalism and then within that i had i broke down each of the components that i just shared the subcategories that I shared are the professional growth and reflection I put down collaboration, engagement, and school community. And then under each one, so for example, for professionalism, growth, and reflection, I had subcategories. So for that section, I submitted all my performance reviews. So I printed out all my advance for the three years that I was going to be considered for tenure, right? Um, I actually put four because I guess I was submitting it in 2017. So I submitted, it, um, I submitted 2017 performance reviews as well. So I did from my first year teaching all the way to the year that I was putting my tenure binder together. I also submitted because as you, and when you're a first year teacher, second year teacher, you have to, you have to um, complete mentoring hours. So I added my mentor satisfaction verification to show that I worked with a mentor and I have met the requirements according to the Department of Education. So that is what I put for my professional growth and reflection. If you want, which is something extra, you can show how you reflect it between two observations and what you implement. So for example, if I received a developing in one of my observations, and then the following observation, I received an effective, because I implemented the feedback that my administrator gave me for that developing so I can improve and I have evidence of that in the next observation, I will make note of that, right? That's growth and reflection. You're acknowledging that you had enough uh, developing, administrator gave you feedback on how you can improve that, what you can implement, then you Implement that into your practices, and it's reflected in your next observation. That's perfect. That's a perfect way to show your professional growth and reflection, because you're reflecting on your practices, and you're and you're improving it. Right, you're taking that step to improve it. You're not just getting feedback and not doing anything with it. And that is something very important that administrators want to see. We get very very happy when we see that a teacher takes our feedback. And actually applies it, or attempts to apply it, or even questions it. Right? If there's something that we're saying, oh, you got to develop in X, Y, Z. This is the reason why. yada yeah. They ask, okay, how can I improve that? How would that look like and effective? Right? So, that is something very important for that area, for that, for that subcategory of professional growth and reflection. The next category is collaboration engagement with the school community. So. Here I have correspondence with co-workers administration. So your engagement, your collaboration, how are you working with teachers? How are you planning with teachers? Are you guys co- co-planning, co-teaching? Are you guys sharing t- resources? How are you supporting your, 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 your colleagues? How are they supporting you? How do you communicate with the with administration and make sure that you're meeting deadlines and you're doing exactly what's expected of you? And any other collaboration that you might, with the, might have with the school, right? Here I have spring assembly participation recognition letter. So I participated in a spring assembly and I received a letter of recognition for my participation. So any way that you collaborate or engage within the school community, you should have some type of artifact for that. So it can be an email. It can be a screenshot. Um, it can be a picture. Be creative. Okay. Start making a list of all those things that you think might fit into that. Communication with families. This one's important because it's something that should be happening, right? So what do you use? Do you have a parent log? Do you have a newsletter that you talk to parents through or communicate with parents? Did you create an email just for families? How are you keeping them up to date with what's going on with their with their child as well as with the, what's going on in school? Um. Do you have a week, a day of the week, which I hope you do. Your school should, where you have parent engagement. How are you making making use of that time? Um, do you, like I said, do you have a log of the parents you speak to? Um, how what the, what happened in that conversation, and maybe next steps um, to follow up. Right. So you want to show any artifacts and proof of the communication you have with families. Um, When I was in the classroom, I had a parent newsletter that I sent out uh, monthly just to give a breakdown of what the teachers, what I mean, what the students were gonna be learning in the classroom, any um, events, trips, days off, um, any tips and advice how to support the students at home. And that was a very helpful tool I shared um, my contact information I said that I shared the times um, and the days that I was available for phone conferences so you want to open up that line of communication with your families which you should have and you should plug that in for this subcategory on the professionalism the last part is management of non instructional responsibilities so what do you do outside of the classroom how are you contributing to the school community because we know that you are educators and you are here to instruct and to educate students within the classroom but your job is so much more than that how are you part of the school community right we i've mentioned in the previous podcast that we cannot teach in isolation we cannot close our door and just do what we want to do with behind closed doors because that's a disservice to our students we need to make sure that we are part of the school community so do you participate in lunch duty do you participate in creating um school events do you help with circular six circular six is bus duty right if your school has buses Um, do you stay and help after for any school events or parties or gatherings you come earlier in the morning This is all on the management of non-instructional responsibilities. So think of, sometimes it's hard because you don't even realize if you're doing it. If you're not doing something, then this is a time to step it up and do what you got to do because that is part of your tenure. That's part of the framework. What do you do outside of school? I mean, outside of the classroom to contribute to the school community, right? What is some non-instructional responsibilities? So do you um, participate in, in workshops? um did you con? do did you contribute anything else like for example i created this um like a, a calm down center for our students because i worked in district 75 and i you know i just gathered tools um resources i had people donate um toys, sensory items um you know benches, chairs, rugs, whatever. Um we decorated. We had like two massive bookshelves that we used. We had a section in the back of the school um that we were able to decorate and it was the calm corner. Um that is something to support your student's social emotional well-being. Um and that was outside of the classroom. That wasn't a responsibility of that I had to do within the classroom. So, you need to think of things that you can do um that are not instructional that you can do in the school community. And again, if you're struggling with that, that's fine, right? You might want to talk to your principal. You might want to talk to a seasoned teacher. And this is why it's important to have those relationships with with coworkers because there's always someone that knows more than you. And there's always someone that knows less than you. But if you have these conversations and you have this relationship and you open up yourself to those relationships then you guys can benefit from each other right there's always something you can learn there's always something that you can share with someone else so find out if you're not sure what that looks like um if you're not sure um what to add there talk to your principal and find out because again like i said in one of the first episodes of this series your principal, you, the first thing you need to do is have a conversation with your principal because what my principal wanted when I was um, up for tenure might not be what your principal wants, right? Times change. The framework did not change, but the expectations might change and it all depends on your principal, right? Some principals might want a video, um, as part of your tenure, tenure, um, portfolio, um, some might just want one artifact for each one, you know what I'm saying? So I, while I'm saying two or three, I'm saying playing it, I play it safe. And that's what I did. And, um, I just wanted them more to have, but some principals probably will keep it real with you and say, Hey, just give me one or two pieces. Um, and that's it. You're done. If you give too much, they're going to just like shut it down. they probably not even look at it and they might not give you your tenure because you didn't follow the, what they thought expectations were. So. The first thing to do is have a conversation with your administrator and ask what they want from you. And if, you have, if you're not sure of a specific um, component or expectation, then ask them. Take your notepad in there, have questions before, look at the framework, and if you have any questions that you, need, you have regarding the framework and you need clarity, ask them at that time. It's, it's important. You need to have that open, open communication with your principal is important because how are you gonna know what they want from you, or need from you, if you're not having that communication with them? So ask them about the management of non-instructional responsibilities if you're not sure of, th- of that okay so this episode concludes the teacher tenure series. There were three episodes which were um, I did an introduction of the tenure um, the tenure decision framework. Um, then I broke it up into student learning instructional practice was episode two and then episode three, which was this one, ended the tenure series with professionalism again you can find our you can find tools regarding this resources on our website which is www.coffeestains.org you can find the episodes there too as well as resources which is the last tab on the right hand corner on the top and if you scroll all the way down under season four you will find um the tenure framework PDF document, you'll find the 10-year table of content, contents, which is my table of contents, how I broke it down on uh, PDF, and then you'll find two videos. The first video is the one that I did when I put together my binder, which was uh, about eight, nine years ago, I believe. And then the second one is a follow-up. Just giving you tips and advice on when you should start put, gathering your documents. Do not wait to the last minute to gather your documents. Start that first year, that second year, so if you 're listening to this and you 're in your first year, second year, good job you 're ahead of the game you 're kind of thinking like me, <laughs> um, and I think it 's the best way to avoid stress or anxiety because you're you 're planning. And you're doing, you're c- collecting all your artifacts little by little. That way, when your third or f- when your fourth year comes, you're not going crazy looking for stuff. And you know what happens if you end up tossing something or misplacing something? Because again, you might move a classroom, you might move to to another school, another position, another site, whatever. Um, you want to make sure that you, you every year you're collecting something. Put a binder together quickly. Um, your principal might want something digital, so maybe create a Google folder and add just. Cut, cut, and paste, or drag all your documents in there. Make copies if you put in there, or if you want, if you're like me, you like hard copies. Literally, put take a binder i'm sure you got a lot because you're a teacher and we hoarders <laughs> um and just start throwing things in the in the binder you don't have to have it organized right now but every week maybe try to contrib- contribute some time to organizing it and putting tabs in there and dividers and just have it section off like student learning instructional practices and professionalism have those three components and just keep that in mind and just throw in anything you think might be related to that I also had in my Outlook, our my email. I had a, I created a folder on the side that was tenure documents. And what I was doing is, anytime I had an email between somebody with some with somebody regarding professionalism, or instructional practices, whether it's planning and curriculums and all that good stuff, or an email with the administrator regarding something that's happening in the school and my participation, I would literally just drag that email into that folder. It was so easy, and then. I just printed that stuff out. So you need to find a system that works for you. But I suggest find a system um, quickly and um, organize organize your documents slowly. That way you're not overwhelmed. You have enough to do as a teacher. You know our job is ongoing. We know you know it's like twenty four seven. So you want you want to make your job easier. You want to mark You want to work smarter, not harder. So that's what I recommend when you're putting together your tenure portfolio. I hope this episode was helpful. I hope this series was helpful. If you know someone that could benefit from this, send it over to them. They can listen to um, this website, sorry, they can listen to this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. You can go also to the website. I upload the episodes there if you just want to listen to it on the website. And um, the videos are all under resources and the YouTube channel. Also, I have an Instagram page where you can stay up to date and informed with new episodes and you can e-message me on there if you have any um, advice or tips on episode topics because that's greatly appreciated. And I'm going to wrap it up right there. So thank you again. This is your host, Geneva Rodriguez. This is Coffee Stained EDU Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And it's a wrap.